0: Hey, you guys, you ever have a moment where you're pretty sure you're not going to see somebody again? You ever had that? Somebody was sick. Somebody was moving away. Maybe you'd see them on FaceTime or maybe you'd get a chance to, to visit, but, like, you're pretty sure they're leaving. In particular, I'm thinking about the fact that some friends of mine in the last couple of weeks, have said goodbye to their mother or wife or grandmother. And they had long battles with sickness. And they had multiple times to be able to say what they wanted to say. Not everybody has that benefit. But consider with me for a second. What would it be like for you? If you know that you're leaving, you know that you're not going to be seeing people for a long time or even ever again. What would you communicate? We would communicate what's important to us, right? What's valuable, what we want them to know. there's a whole lot of talk, and there's even a movie about a bucket list. Pastor John and I were talking about this series. It's a new series. It's called Peace Be With You. Jesus said that three times in John 20, by the way, because they were pretty freaked out to see him alive and to walk through walls without knocking the walls down, like literally, boo boop, right in there, and like, oh, and he's like, "Peace be with you." But more than that, he's peace and he's with them. But John was saying that we have a tendency when we know that we're dying or we know that we're close or we know that we're getting near the end, that we have a bucket list and we want to do this and do this and do this and do that, Jesus' bucket list was, let me show you how to live. Let me show you what's important. Let me show you by serving. This is what he parts with. Like, I'm going to lay my life down for you. That's the greatest act of service. And he wants us as his people to follow his example. And again, just as the last parting words of a loved one would be something we would really cling to, will you with me for these next few weeks until the end of the year, look at what Jesus' parting words were. We've been looking at Jesus said what it was the last things he said before he left? I mean, he's coming back, and he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. We've got his Bible, his word written out for us. It's wonderful, and he keeps speaking. But in this particular series, we're going to take a really good look at what his parting words were and what it would look like for us to fulfill his bucket list. It's pretty impressive. Let's go to... Well, we're going to go to John 13, but I have a couple of things that I want to share with you. Jesus said, I've given you an example. You know that, right? He's given us an example. What would that example be? Well, love and service to begin with. Love and service. He also shows us humility, holiness, and happiness. And I want to tell you about happiness, okay? Let's go back to what we just finished after nine weeks. Happiness is being blessed. That's really what our hearts were made for, is to be blessed, to be fulfilled by God. And so, to start off with, in Luke 13, 1 through 5, we're going to take a look at some humility. So, in Luke, Luke 13, Jesus is sitting down for the Passover feast. There's a little bit of debate on whether it was Passover or why was he doing it on a Thursday and not on a Friday and all that? I can't explain it to you, I wasn't there. What I do understand is that they were having this feast together. And prior to what we're about to read, Jesus' disciples get into an argument. Do you guys remember what they're arguing about? Who's the greatest? They're not arguing about whether he's the greatest or not. They're arguing about who right here is the greatest. That's a little like, and Chrissy and I were talking about this last night. That's like shuffling the deck furniture on the Titanic. <laughs> it's just fruitless, it doesn't make any sense. And so Jesus, rather than slapping them around, he says, you know, you're going to be the servant. And then this is how he shows it. John 13, 1 through 5. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew, look for that word a few times in what we're reading today, by the way, knew or knowing. But when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. let stop for a second and just say, the devil doesn't get the blame. The devil offers up all kinds of things to all of us. Jesus, you might recall, was tempted. And yet he didn't give in to it. The devil offers up stuff, but the only way it really has impact in our life is if we receive it. It wasn't like the devil's like, hmm, I'm going to pick Judas, and he has nothing to do with this, and I'm putting this in his heart. Judas received greed, fear, pain, agony, all of it. He didn't receive what Jesus, I mean, Jesus literally had the, lord's supper he had the communion that we just took and he had offered it even to him and we have no record of him not taking it as a matter of fact we have a record of judas taking it but not the way the other guys did he took it as whatever it was in his mind but what he took into his heart was to betray jesus and some say well he's just trying to like jump start the whole ministry He's trying to put Jesus on the, hey, put up or shut up, bro. No, he actually betrayed Jesus, sold him out. And it was put into his heart by the enemy, but he received it into his heart from the enemy. What are you receiving? Are you receiving the peace? Are you receiving what Jesus offers? Or are you receiving what the world, what your flesh, what the enemy is offering you? So verse 3. Jesus, knowing, there's that word again, that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. A lot has been said about this, that he was like naked except for the towel around his waist. I don't, outer garments means that he had on, okay? Plus, he's not about to get butt naked. That would not be acceptable for a man in that culture, especially a rabbi. But for him to be clothed less than everybody else was to put himself in a humbled situation. To tie a towel around his waist for sure was to say, I am here to serve. And that's a big deal. That's super humble, by the way. So in case anybody was wondering, he poured water into a basin, it says in verse 5, and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You guys, I know this isn't our culture, but how many of you, just by show of like honesty and maybe even a little bit of humility, how many of you hate feet? How many of you are just grossed out even by clean feet? (laughs) I'm not even going to ask you if you like feet because that's a different conversation (laughs) entirely. I don't want to talk about it. But what I will say is that their feet were their main mode of transportation. They walked around with sandals, not with fresh kicks like this friend of mine gave me a while ago. Not with boots, but with sandals. Sandals in dusty, dirty streets. And their houses oftentimes were dirt as well. They had nasty feet. And the lowest servant in the house got that job. And if you were there as a guest at somebody's house, they would have a servant that would clean your feet. You know what I find fascinating? Fascinating. And I don't know fully. There's a lot of different expressions on what the time frame was. But we could be looking at him washing their feet after dinner. Like legitimately, that's what it sounds like, it says in here. Even if it wasn't after dinner as before, Jesus was doing the work of a servant, the lowest servant. He was humbling himself. Listen to this simple little phrase and see if it hits you like it hit me. Warren Wearsby said in his Bible exposition commentary, Jesus served his disciples because of his humility and because of his love. (laughs) He wasn't doing it because they were so amazing. He's doing it because he is. And he's ready. He's ready to serve. He's ready for you to be served. But then he calls us to serve and to follow his example. And so from that, I'll transition from humility to holiness. Holiness is being set apart. Now, sanctification is being made holy. Jesus alone is holy. He makes us holy because of what he did. You might remember in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin became our sin that we might become his righteousness. Like, he served us. He gave his life for us that we would actually have life abundantly, and we would be made holy. But there's something really cool about holiness. He pays the price, and he gives it to us, and then we walk in it. We get to live that out. We're part of that whole sanctification process, and you're about to see a great example of it. I'll bring you back to something that maybe you haven't spent a whole lot of time in. But you'll look back into the law, and priests were supposed to take a big old bath in this huge tub called the sea. And they did that one time. And then from there, whenever they would be serving, they'd have to wash their feet and wash their hands. And some of them would wash their face. But they didn't have to take another bath. They had already been made clean by that holy water, really. And Jesus gives an example of that right here by washing their feet. So listen to what happens with regards to holiness and how it's a, surprisingly, it's a team effort. Jesus doesn't need you, but for it to make any difference in your life, you have to receive it, and you get to walk it out. Work out your salvation, Paul said, with fear and trembling. Not work for your salvation, but work it out. It's been given to you, now live it out. All right, here we go. John 13, verse 6. He came to Simon Peter, and some of you may not know, but Peter was kind of the leader of the 12, and he oftentimes was very impetuous. He'd use words before he thought. I know that some of you can really relate to that. But he comes to Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? He's like, "Mm mm-mm. Nope, the, the way it's worded here in the ESV, it just seems kind of like, what? It's like, he's surprised? No, he's like, what are you doing? You're not washing my feet. He says it much more clear in a second here. Jesus answers him, what I'm doing, you do not understand now, but afterward you'll understand. Can I just stop and get preachy for a second? somebody needs to hear that right this very second. What I'm doing now, you're not going to get it. But later on, you'll understand it. Woo wee God makes all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, it's not good. Well, then he's not done yet. You may not understand it. You may not get it until you get face-to-face with him. And I don't think that reunited, amazing moment is going to look like this. Okay, I'm here. I'm in your presence. What gives on all that other stuff? I don't quite get it. Jesus, you got some explaining to do. I don't think that's how that goes with the king of kings and the lord of lords and the one who doesn't need sun to shine because, well, he gave the sun, its source. And so here he is. You're going to be in his presence. I'm going to be in his presence. And as his people, we're going to be so filled with joy. We're not going to be like, but what about that stuff I didn't get? I think all things will be made known to you. But I think the most important thing is that he's it. You're not. Amen. And some of you get that right now. And then you have to be reminded, like me, sometimes on a daily. But Sometimes it's just through some moments. But he says, look, you don't get it right now, but later on you're going to get it. You'll understand. (laughs) And Peter, much like me and maybe some of you, (laughs) says, Lord, you shall never wash my feet. Like literally that never is never to infinity. He's like, never, 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 ever, 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 no. And in case you didn't get it, no. He's like, well, you don't understand what I'm doing, but you'll understand it later. He goes, ah, I understand it right now because I'm Peter and I'm super smart. (laughs) Never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. We're back to the humility for a second before this holiness. If you don't believe that you need to be served by the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you probably need to be very, very, very afraid. Like, oh gosh, fear-mongering, this is why I don't like to come to church. I want to give you a fair warning. If you don't think you need the Savior to serve you, you don't need a Savior. You don't need a Lord. You're fine. Don't do that for me. Even if your motivation is you're awesome and you shouldn't serve, you are saying, I am the judge of you. I'm saying what you're doing isn't right, which is why a lot of people miss Jesus. When the light came into the darkness, they missed him because he wouldn't come like that. He'd come on a On a pony or some kind of a a war horse, and he'd be lopping off heads, and Rome would be defeated, and it would look so much different than a baby. What I'm doing right now, you won't understand, but you will later. So receive this. He's saying, Peter, don't blow this, man. He already knew that he wouldn't. But he's like, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part of me. If I don't serve you, I didn't come, Jesus said, for the righteous, (laughs) but I came for the sinners. There's a ton of people like, oh, gosh, I'm not a sinner. (laughs) You're a liar, so that's a sin. (laughs) This is, if you don't let me wash you, verse 8, you have no share with me. (laughs) Simon Peter switches gears. <laughs> Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Hook a brother up with the whole thing. I was wrong. Jesus, all of it. Jesus said, the one who's bathed does not need to wash. So they little shout out back to these priests that would be cleaned entirely. The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Whew, so much on that. Uh, let me suffice it to say, if I can, just summarize it really quickly. Jesus is saying, look, I have... Given you cleanliness. I've given you holiness. You have been saved. Those who have believed in me are saved. Those who believed in me are clean. Now, daily, you need to come to me. You need to submit. You need to take up your cross and deny yourself. That's washing your feet. That's allowing them to be washed. That's humility. That's repentance. But there's one of you, he says, that hasn't actually been cleaned yet and won't. This is why we can go back a couple of series. To heaven and hell not everybody's getting saved but that's so much more pleasant to hear and it's inaccurate it's wrong I want everybody to be saved you pray it almost every Sunday and I agree with you in prayer I want people to be saved he's not wanting anybody to perish so let's pray that people receive his service receive his joy, receive his life, receive his judgment. You need help. (laughs) And it's not just like a little, you got a little dirt behind your ear there. No, it's like you need to be cleaned. And then once you are, you don't get saved again. I mean, here, I want to be very gentle with this. Baptism is not salvation. But for some of you, you kind of went through the motions when you were younger. Some of you, you were baptized as a baby. That was a really cool dedication that your parents made. But it wasn't your choice. Now, you might have gone to confirmation and all that kind of stuff, and I'm not going to arm wrestle you over that. I'd known this in the Bible a believer's baptism, one and done. You believe, you profess Christ. That's where the salvation comes is Jesus, not the water. But. There's something really wonderful about not only obeying Jesus, but identifying with his death and his resurrection. You don't have to do that every couple of weeks, every couple of months, every couple of years, every couple of decades. Now, I'm not stingy or cranky about it. There's people who are like, oh, just this is real for me, and, and I just wandered so far. I don't know if I really believe the Lord. I'm not sure where, what happened to me, but I fell away, and now I'm coming back. I'm like, no, you better not get baptized again, you heretic. I'm like, okay, let's go. And if you, by God's grace, get to go someday to the promised land, and you're at the Jordan River, and you're like, but Aaron said I'm not supposed to get baptized again. But it would be really cool to get baptized in the Jordan. <laughs> Go get it. <laughs> that would be super cool. Just don't think that either one of those has ever saved you. It's Jesus that does it. But once he's saved you, you're saved. Now walk in it. And I love that it's the feet because as we're able, we walk on our feet. Some of you are studs and can walk in your hand a little bit, but not for a long time. I see you. All right. <laughs> You guys, salvation belongs to the Lord, and he's seated on the throne. He gives it to you. You receive it, and then you walk in it. And when you're blowing it because you're going to, you repent. That's getting your feet washed. You come to the Lord daily. I need your word. I need you to speak to me. And then you walk in it. And with that, we move to this happiness, to blessed. I don't always feel happy. Feelings are cool. They're wonderful. They're a gift from God. But as Brené Brown says, they're like kids in the car. Have them there. Great for the trip. Makes everything even a lot better. But do not give them the wheel. Your emotions are wonderful and beautiful and a gift from God. Be angry and sin not. You're allowed to feel. Don't let them lead you to sin. And so happiness isn't being just fulfilled in whatever gratifies you in the moment. It's satisfaction, as we talked about for nine weeks. Found only in? Oh, come on, church. Only in? Nice. And people are like, I hate it when people do that. It's not genuine. It's not authentic. It's like asking for an amen. Amen. (laughs) Do you see what you're missing? If you're not here and you're online, you're missing this stuff. Are you, though? Okay. You guys, Jesus alone gets to define blessing, and he did. And please go back and listen, watch, read Matthew 5. 1 through 14-ish, I think. But here's what he talks about here on his parting words. Like, he knew his time to part was, so he showed love and showed them to the end, and he served them, and he gave them so much to think about. And then verse 12 through 17. When he had washed their feet, he put on his outer garments and resumed his place. Which, by the way, was like the guest of honor. (laughs) He's like, I am it, and I'm serving, and now I'm coming back here to show you. And he resumes his place, and he says to him, do you understand what I've done to you? (laughs) Can you see it with me for a second? Peter's like, I do. I do. I understand it now. I totally get it. I don't know that he did that, but that's how I would do it. Like, I blew it, and I kind of want to redeem myself now. Let me give you all the answers, Jesus. We don't hear anybody answer except Jesus. You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do. Just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. I love to take forever on this one. I'll just say this there is a God, and we're not him. And so if he says something goes, it goes. If he says something stays, it stays. If he says something is good, it's good. If he says something is bad, it's bad. Oh, but he's just, he's fine. He wants me to be happy. He, absolutely. According to his definition of happiness. And blessing. And good. And it's purity. And will he be patient with you? Oh, he already has been. And he will be. But we get to actually submit to him. Not the other way around. He already submitted himself to people, and they killed him. And that was to pay our price, not his. Remember, he didn't get persecuted because of his problems, but the problems of everybody else. And he says, you're blessed if you're persecuted. If you're wondering what persecution looks like, say that something the world says is right. Say it's wrong and watch. Probably won't look like being killed yet, but it'll look like being put in a little box bigot, angry, judgmental, old fashioned, narrow minded. (laughs) I like narrow path myself, but yeah, narrow (laughs) mind. I love this. Verse 16, one more time. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed, happy, fulfilled, satisfied are you if you do them. And we're going to jump to the end of John 13 here to 31. That What we're skipping over isn't because I don't... Love the Bible and don't think that there's worth there. It's Judas, and he blows it, and everybody else says, oh, I would never blow it. And they do, but Judas sells them out. And so verse 31, when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. If all you heard in there was glorified, that's fine. That's really good. Maybe just kind of back it up just a little bit. God's being glorified through Jesus. Jesus is glorifying him. And how is he going to do that? Anybody? Through his death. death. The ultimate act of service. Little children, he says, verse 33, yet a little while I'm with you. I'm only here for a little bit longer. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. What he's doing right then and there, only one person could do. They all would die of something someday. History tells us that they all died, except Judas. Judas sadly hung himself. But everybody else but John would die a martyr's death, and John would die of old age, most likely on this penal colony where he wrote 1 John, Second John, Third John, and Revelation. But he's like, you can't do what I'm doing. You cannot come. You're going to look for me, and I'm going to be gone. And so here's some parting words for you. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Can you just think with me for a second? I don't have a ton of time. Do you think of some of the ways Jesus loved his people? I mean, he loves them by laying down his life. He loved them by washing their feet. Those are cool and amazing. What are some practical ways? Do you have just one, one or two examples where Jesus loved his people and how he loved them? Forgave him. What was it? He fed them. He healed them. He He was honest with them. them. Wow. Truth and love with grace. grace. He was patient with them. Holy smokes. What's that? Yeah, compassion. Ooh, he rose from the dead. Listen, you guys, I read this this week, and I don't know who said it, so I apologize, and I'm sure there's... Fact checkers right now. But he touched them before he taught them. Oh, my goodness. Jesus is awesome. So, All right. So new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So I remind you what we, we learned from Jesus in this example that he set, love and service, okay? This is what we're supposed to follow his example in, love and service. And then humility, holiness, and happiness, you're a part of all of that with him, you guys. He's called you and me to follow his example of love and service and humility and holiness and happiness, being blessed he says, you're going to be blessed if you know these things and you do them, not just if you know about it, but if you do it. And so with the do it, I ask you, how are you going to move towards Jesus today and follow his example? Will you accept the fact that he's the Lord and Savior and no one else can be? And humble yourself and submit to him and today is the day. You're getting saved right around Christmas time. How beautiful. For many of you, you've already done that, so... Today might be a day of moving towards Jesus and repentance. Like, Lord, I've been holding back. I, you haven't been washing my feet because I haven't come to you. I've been mad. I've been angry. I've been disappointed. I've been depressed. I don't even think depression or anxiety necessarily has to be a sin. It's what you do with it. If You cling to it. You, you walk away from the only one who can save you. You're not going to wash my feet. So maybe you need to repent of pride and turn away from self-serving or selfish desires that lead to some really nasty stuff that you will repent of later. Why don't you do that now? And for many of you, you've, you've done these things and how you move towards Jesus is to look to love and serve more like Jesus. Not just so you get something or so you look a particular way, but so they can see the Lord. I love it. Jesus said, I've given you an example. And I ask you today, will you follow that example? Today. Don't put it off till tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. But you got this moment. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for your sacrifice of your one and only son. Giving him for our sin debt. And that he led such a life that was so perfect and holy that we don't quite get it, but we get to actually follow him. Thank you that it was your humility and your love that led you to serve Jesus. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would remind us to live in such a way that we could live out John thirteen thirty five, And people will know we're yours by our love for one another. That we would serve the church and we would serve the world. And we'd do it in that order, but we wouldn't leave any of it out. And we're going to need you for it, so we trust you. And Lord, I thank you for reminding me of what my friend Jim Phillips says. For this, we have Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.